the Luminous Possibilities Podcast. We offer a diversity of perspectives from many fields of medicine, esoteric and ancient wisdom, and subtle energy, arts, and sciences. Find deeply fulfilling pathways for co-creating yourself, life, and human communities around you. Find inspiring attunements to your own optimal living roadmap, true authentic self, and the most radiant frequency for living life to the fullest. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm Keenan. I'm your host and co-host of the podcast here. I'm sitting with Zach Dragon, a police officer and Reiki practitioner. And today we're going to discuss uh, existential trust, this idea of what it means to really trust life. And we're going to bring in some principles of universal judo, which is going to be fun to talk about. Um, I suppose you could introduce that piece to start maybe. What is universal judo? So universal judo um, came from a term that a, a friend of mine who I used to work with as a police officer brought in. Um, the, he, he derived the term from, uh, from verbal judo. And what, what verbal judo is, is it's a, uh, it's a way, of, way of persuasion that we use in, uh, in crisis negotiation. Um, the term judo, just as with the, the martial art, literally means the gentle way. And then so verbal judo was the gentle way of persuasion. And uh, my buddy Sean, who uh, after, after a situation we dealt with, um, a disturbance, a, a family disturbance where he's, uh, it was actually right at the onset of COVID. So there was a lot of stressful issues going on and um, we were able to get these, this couple and their kids all calmed down. And in, in talking to these, uh, this married couple who were ready to, ready to end things violently, um, to put it nicely, really, <laughs> um, you know, I, I pointed out my, my view of how the universe works. Like you, the universe brought these two people together so that they could grow. And, and this was you and him talking, and or the, you you this, weren't talking to them. I was talking to them, to the couple. Okay. Yeah. And uh, my buddy Sean, he was my my cover officer. I see. He was, he was uh, observing at that point, and I explained to this couple, you know, the universe brought you guys together, and relationships, you're really good at triggering each other, right? And I was like, I know that's the case with my wife and I, <laughs> and you know, if you guys if you guys have nothing left to learn from each other, then you know, it's over, but clearly you guys aren't done. And it really, it really got them both out of their place of that ego attacking and defending from each other. Because, you know, if you've ever been in a relationship, (laughs) never, never, (laughs) um, they, they are amazing for those opportunities of growth. Uh-huh. And so clearly that what was what was happening um, when the police get involved because there's other stuff, it, it, it gets to a certain um, a certain level. But I, I got them calmed down and they were both like, yeah, that, that makes that makes so much sense. You know, thank you. And I was able to, to shake both their hands and give their kids stickers and be like, hey, guys, you know, it's like I said, it was, it was during the onset of, of COVID. And one of the, one of the phrases that I've coined when I told people it's, you know, you're having a rough time and it's a really rough time to be having a rough time. And they, they were just super, 
super calm and collected after that. And um, as we discussed on the last episode, I, you know, I have a way of, you know, handing people crystals. I'm like, I think this, you need this right now, <laughs> even, even in my job and, uh, you know, providing selenite to my, to my officers and my supervisors. So there was no, it was no surprise or it was, it was common knowledge at my department that, you know, that's, that's Zach. <laughs> so, um, and when we left that call and Sean and I are walking to our, our respective cars, Sean looks at me and he's like, wow, I've never seen it before. And I said, what? He's like, I, I got to witness your universal judo. <laughs> it's like, cause you just, you just bring the universe in and everything, everything gets made better. So that, uh, maybe I could, uh, you could do a law enforcement training on universal judo. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Just, just bring it to the, to the community. Yeah, so. why not? I mean, it's, it, I definitely feel like you'd be the officer I'd like to have on the scene, bringing in somewhat of a, a different, maybe a different awareness. I don't know how other officers necessarily compare, but it seems like there, there can be quite a, a power game going on. I mean, you're in a position of authority. And if, you know, sometimes I feel like men, women even are drawn to the force to exercise authority that maybe they didn't have access to at a previous time. And sometimes it gets a little bit, it's not so gentle and it gets a little aggressive. <laughs> exactly. And there is like, there's, there's a time and place for everything. Um, in, in law enforcement training, it used to be, you know, ask, tell, make, and it can go that way. But I don't, and most of the officers I work with now, um, granted, I don't, I don't work in the metro area. I'm not in, you know, the inner city of Chicago or anything. That's that's a different type of policing. I'm I'm mm -hmm. very comfortable in a smaller community where I can expect to deal with the same people multiple times. And with that, I pride myself on having a certain rapport. You know, if if I go out to someone's house and, you know, I, I blatantly lie to them or manipulate them, that's going to come back later. You know, that might work, but it's only going to work once. And I'm, I'm in my job as more than a job. It's a career and, but I'm in for the long haul. I want to be that officer that shows up and someone be like, okay, you know, I, I can trust him or you can trust him or, you know, I, you've always been respectful to me, Officer Johnson, so I'm gonna tell you this, you know, whatever. I, I even introduced myself by my first name, generally. Hmm. Um, you know, I show up on scene and be like, hi, I'm Zach, I'm a police officer, if you couldn't tell from my, from my costume here, but what's going on? And I think that that kind of brings back the humanity because yes, I, I wear a uniform with a tactical vest and rifle plates and it can be scary. And when I show up, it's either generally because someone's been victimized by someone or they victimized someone. So there's either the expectation that I'm about to hold whoever it is accountable or now I'm an authority figure after they've been victimized. And there are a lot of very strong personalities in law enforcement, period. Sometimes that comes with ego too. That's just, just the mm -hmm. way it is. But the, and we're going to um, have some level of ego in it anyways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't do this job without ego. Right. You also cannot do this job 
with all ego. And there are, there are some cops who, in my judgment and other people's judgment, shouldn't be cops. And they've got into it for the wrong reasons, or they continue to be in it for the wrong reasons. And there is a aspect of force in just showing up on scene in the uniform with the pretty lights on the car, etc. There, there's a psychological intimidation that can be a factor whether it's intended or not. Sometimes it is intended. Sometimes we show up three or four deep because we don't want there to be resistance. And, and that's a tactic because if you show up with an overwhelming force mm-hmm. and then nobody has to fight or chooses not to fight, no one gets hurt. Win-win, yeah. Yeah, it's win-win. But, and then we also, at times, will we'll, we'll show up you know, more gently. And if that isn't effective, we might have to escalate that. But going back to what I was saying of not leading with that, you can't lead with that escalated of force because then you have nowhere to go from there. Mm. And there's always the option to de-escalate once there's compliance. You know, I've, I've had to draw my weapon on people. That doesn't mean that I've had to shoot them. And you can all, I can always put it away when it's no longer yeah. needed. And, and very successful cops that I've worked with, trained with, are those who can kind of be in their own sovereignty and if it needs to escalate go there Mm -hmm. until that's no longer necessary and being able to bring it back down there have been situations where you know someone needed to go with us whether that was because um, i had lawful authority to take them to the hospital without their consent or i had lawful authority to take them to a holding facility to be charged with a crime without their consent one way or another this is what is going to happen sometimes my level-headed approach my uh you know sovereign approach of look this is what needs to happen plain and simple gets compliance there are some times when it doesn't and it has to get physical i have been told and I've noticed myself that I'm very, very good at once we have it under control, it's like, okay, now we're here. You're okay. We're going to get you checked out. I know you might be having difficulty. You know, the cuffs might hurt right now. As soon as we get you in a safe area, I'll adjust them. You know, the, um, without getting too on the, the political side, a lot of times the things that are really shown on social media and the mainstream media is those those snippets which are very very emotional that's kind of the point of why it's why it's approached that way you might not get everything leading up to it or everything after that and Mm -hmm. sometimes when you do it's still not deemed as appropriate but we in law enforcement have not only a responsibility and authority, but a uh, an honor to be the ones to control that situation and then mm-hmm. take care of that person. And just like any other career field, we're humans. And if if I'm involved with a fight for my life because someone is actively trying to kill me, my 
my energy level is going to be way up here. Mm -hmm. um, I have had a few situations that were like that. And I was able to control that situation and then get that person the first aid and care that they needed. And early on in my career, that was quite a bit more difficult to do from a level-headed space because I didn't have the emotional and spiritual maturity that I have now. Um, I, I spoke last episode about how I do this from a place of love. Uh, I love you and, whether that be, I love you and press hard three copies because you're getting a ticket or I love you and you're going to jail today. Um, and coming from that place allows me and empowers me to come at it from, you know, a, a gentle mindset. I may need to gently disable someone <laughs> and they're, they're just straight judo. Yeah. Well, I guess universal <laughs> kind of encapsulates a lot of forms of it, but yeah. And cause like there is, there may be violent actions that I need to take, but it's without violent intent. Mm -hmm. And so that, that energy that I bring, um, it's, it's been very successful in just talking to people because with the, with the social media and the mainstream media, there's that expectation that they're in danger because we're coming to get them. And I've had many, uh, many suspects and arrestees alike that I've talked to and they're like, wow, you, I've never, I've never had a cop act like that before. And I was like, well, you haven't dealt with me before. <laughs> it's like, I can't people after I've, I've contacted them and sometimes, cause there's about a, uh, a 45 to an hour drive to jail when I, when I have to take someone up cause it's up North and they generally will talk and I've had the privilege to have them talk to me about how thankful they were the way I dealt with them and share horror stories about how that's not how it went in the past. Um, some people who I'm transporting are just not in the frame of mind to, to recognize that. And that's fine. Um, when I, when I leave people at the jail, I always tell them, you know, sorry, I had to meet you this way good luck at whatever happens next. And then if it's safe and they're willing to do, I shake their hand because it's, it's absolutely nothing personal. I am a manifestation of the universe that's consequently based on their actions. Yeah. There, there are some people, the who, balancing force. Yeah. The balancing force. It's like, I, I am not doing anything to them. I am the manifestation of the consequence. There are some people who, who absolutely take it personally and push that personal responsibility. Well, I can't believe you're doing this to me. It's like, well, I didn't have anything to do with you doing this. And <laughs> then this hat, you did this allegedly innocent to proven guilty and all. Mm -hmm. um, but your actions have set this path in motion and that path brought us together. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually been some, uh, some, I guess you'd say, existential 
um, research I've done. And if, if we manifest everything collectively and individually, people who live their lives out of control will manifest something to bring them back into control. Sometimes that looks like me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it looks like a, a partner um, in their life who kind of settles them down. Sometimes it looks like a situation that causes them to reevaluate their choices. And sometimes it looks like me. Could be a baby. Could be a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Could be a puppy. (laughs) Could be a puppy, yeah. Some leveling act. Officer Zach knock on your door to talk about what happened. Well, it feels good knowing that there's police officers out there that bring yeah just like more of like a loving heart and disarming very intense scenarios um i mean your 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 work is not it's not really like necessarily like a walk in the park sure i'm sure there's slow moments but that you know there's a balance there too with the slow moments are probably really needed it it really is and the way i i've I've worked some recruitment details for other agencies and I've, uh, I've had a lot of people who have come and done ride alongs with me who are looking at getting into the department. And I've, I've done talks at, at the different police uh, academies that I was affiliated with all before COVID. (laughs) And the best way I've been able to explain it very candidly is this job as law enforcement, as, as a responder, because we respond to situations. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are, of course, options for, for proactive stuff. Um, but as a response to crisis, you're looking at your, uh, a day-to-day, about 95% boredom, 5% pure adrenaline. <laughs> and even that 5% could be a, an over-exaggeration course you know you know, mm-hmm. downtown Detroit downtown Denver that kind of stuff it, it's going to be a higher percentage than you know the backwoods of Missouri even though there's a different clientele in different situations you deal with out in the backwoods of course but there's you know if you want to compare the movie SWAT to um was that show with Barney Fife uh, in Mayberry but but that that idea that um you know i I grew up in a town of 800 people and we had one cop and he wasn't on duty all the time yeah (laughs) um i was born in a suburb of chicago and it was a huge culture shock when my parents and i moved out there but it really looking at it and the things that i that i witnessed and, and dealt with the job for law enforcement is the same but you have to do it differently and when i talk to uh, cadets in academies um, some of them are already hired by a department and being sponsored and some of them like i did was um they self-sponsored they put themselves through the academy to make themselves a marketable uh, addition to mm-hmm. another department mm-hmm. and i didn't recognize this early on in my career but it's just as important for a cadet to find an agency that they jive with as important it is for an agency to hire someone that fits them. Um, lay, um, 
with my experience, I'm a little more candid with the, uh, the, the kids, we'll call them kids that, I, that uh, talk to me about getting into law enforcement. And it's, I compare a relationship of a, of a cop with that cop's agency to any relationship. You know, just like I, I absolutely love my wife. She's amazing. And she also gets on my nerves sometimes. And I know I'm not perfect. And it's just like that. We're humans. We're not perfect. And there is a certain level of baggage we all carry. You're never going to find somebody with less or more baggage, just different baggage. So you choose someone to spend the rest of your life with that whose baggage that you can handle. And that's really what it's like to be with a law enforcement agency. There's any employer, they've got their stuff. There are some things that are better than others and some things that are worse than others. But the totality of the circumstances, not one is ever better than the other. You mm-hmm. just got to find one that's got department baggage that you want to be able to deal with for the next 20 years mm-hmm. of your, your career. And I've been very fortunate that I've, I've found agencies that have fit with me and I've fit with, and then just like relationships interpersonally, eventually you, you vibrate apart. And there was a reason I left each one of my agencies and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. So where does this idea of universal judo come from? Is this something that is at all commonplace within agencies or within it based on my experience no i i didn't learn it from anywhere it just kind of found me and i never even put a name to it until sean threw it out there yeah um because i speak a lot about the universe and how things are intertwined and you know he he took the term judo from the the verbal judo and i would not Clearly, I can't be the only cop that that feels this, that does this. I have not yet come in contact with another one who's quite like me. Um, I've I've had the, an amazing experience to help other cops develop that feeling. Like when I talked about my lieutenant last time, um, offered that space to allow him to kind of open back up to his spiritual side that he knew he had lost track of. Um, my, my current department, it, uh, they, they kind of like tongue in cheek joke about me on calls and they're like, well, we'll just get, just get Zach over here to tell him he loves him and everything will be fine. (laughs) And it's joking, but it's, it's true. Cause I've, I had an individual who was severely intoxicated and just mad about everything. Mm. And we got talking. I was like, you want to go to the hospital? I think, I think you should go to the hospital. You drink a lot. And he's like, I'm just, I'm just so pissed at everything. He's like, I, how do you do your job? You got to deal with all this. And I'm like, I do this job because I love people and I love you, man. And my, uh, I was still in field training at the time, and my uh, my field training officer, I saw a look on her face. She was like, "Can't believe you just said that," but it's true. 
and it worked. It's pretty and nice, I, noble I, moment. Yeah, I didn't I didn't say it to um to manipulate him. I'm coming from my truth and my truth and the love that I feel and demonstrate for people has had that effect to bring them back down. It it equalizes yeah. that that thing and you know yeah. if I could you know get get sponsorship by one of the training agencies and I was like I just want to teach cops to love people because they already do clearly they cops and other first responders they get into this job because they want to help people it's everything that happens after that the terrible things that we see the terrible things that we deal with the uh the the stigma of what it is to be a cop right now and the endless personal attacks we get because of the symbol we are sours people yeah just like anything else and in a such a noble profession it's sad when the hearts of my brothers and sisters do get soured to the point where they start making bad decisions, whether that be um, an excessive level of force or a, uh, a split second decision that could have been done better if they had taken a little more time. Sometimes it's avoidable, sometimes it's not. But I really, really think the integration of this inner truth this universal truth of love which is really why we all do this job it really would help change things and having that personal connection because of that you know recognition of the love to know that if i deal with somebody I don't have to have them in my personal life to know that I am personally connected with them because we're both here on this planet. We've both had hard times. And if they knew me and knew how I feel about everyone and why I do this job, they wouldn't then project all of that pain and fear that they have about the uniform onto me because that personal connection with me would, they would know just like me recognizing that I have a personal connection with every single person I come in contact with helps me and empowers me to stay out of judgment. There are people who have taken actions that I would never take and that I may have judgment on them for. Recognizing that I have judgment on the action, not the person, really de-escalates my own stuff that's going on, which in turn de-escalates theirs because through any energy and universal exchange you can feel that if i'm manipulating someone or forcing my energy on them because i want them to do a certain thing they're going to feel that and their energetic body response is going to be the opposite whether it's going to be the retreat when i'm pulling them in or to push back when i'm pulling them here it's it's you know universal physics yeah, this really is a subtle art in disarming, de-escalating, creating peace, like, you know, because 
Yeah, I, th- I, th- I see. Well, of course, I see everything through an astrological lens, and I right. know you're a Libra, and I see this expression of Libra that you're taking, like through the form of justice on a societal level. Um, but when I think about Libra, I think about serenity, and I think about peace, and I think about like the tranquil nature of that. That's really like the evolutionary desire of that archetype, and so I can see that you're finding this level of peace, there's like this force driving you into like finding the tranquil moments in some ways, like through chaos and through like some of the the harder edges and faces of humanity. Um, but I can, it's just such an immense value and I can see the subtlety of, of the art of it because it's, there's so many ways in which you're bringing awareness of how a certain energy you're bringing, whether through your words, actions, your presence, your tactics, whatever it is, is going to actually create, it's going to create an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, that's, it's just nice to know that there's that awareness in the force. <laughs> Cause I think that it's funny. Like, I mean, from my perspective, I mean, yeah, like I, I've definitely fallen into the, to the, the thought process of, cops and police you know and being this exercising because i've experienced it you know i've i've had a cop pull me over for nothing and made me do um you know walk out to do whatever the trunk test is mm-hmm. and you know i'm like dead sober and he knows it but he's just fucking with me and he was a local guy and you know got got his own rapport his own reputation of just being kind of an asshole yeah and you have one of those experiences and you're just like fuck that you know um so i i would imagine maybe there's a certain point where like if people do go into the forest i'm sure there's many different reasons why they do um but i think you do you do take a pretty unique perspective in in why you entered the force because i'm not i'm not sure everyone does join i mean if universal love is so all-encompassing <laughs> then in some ways everything is love yes and so even even whatever motive you want to call it is going to be like in in that fashion in that um in the in the, in the form of love in some ways but yeah there must be a certain point where the experiences as, as a cop wear on you and there's something that shifts in it and you i see what you're saying as as this parallel to life it's like we need, we almost really need this um, connection to our innocence, to to love, like to like the lightheartedness of of life. You know, when when life wears on us, then like what can bring us back to a place of really feeling at peace, like being able to claim our radiance. You know, like feeling alive and well. You know, otherwise it's. Yeah, like you kind of have to subtly navigate in a way where you can just bring it back to that level of peace. Absolutely. To feel sane. <laughs> there, there was a an article I read, an article I read uh, a while back, and it was um, an article I read I read on um, Police One a while back, and it was the helper versus hunter mentality. And it, it was an editorial on, you know, you know, you have your, your innocent kids who get into this 
because they love people and because they want to help people and because the job is inherently dangerous because sometimes people can make a choice well they would rather hurt or even kill a cop instead of going to jail to to recognize that that danger is and so as an instructor in the academy it's their job to teach how dangerous it is and how you need to survive on the street so that starts to play at odds with this well i just want to help everybody Mm -hmm. to realize that i'm here to help you but if you try to kill me i'm going to kill you yeah and in the old 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 days i guess you could say um there was a certain stigma of you know the guys who get promoted are the guys who get all those arrests who you know catch the bad guys and you know the the cops after the high speed pursuit are high fiving each other because they got the bad guy and that also that that adrenaline situation and congratulatory um, idea behind it and the reward for that risk also plays at odds against that helper mentality. So it was it was really interesting. And um, since I read that, I've shared it with each one of my uh, my trainees as a field training officer. And there is this this balance. You know, I I absolutely love people and. I can't always love them into doing what they need to do. Sometimes I can come from a place of love and we have to physically take someone into custody or stop them from harming themselves or harming someone else Mm -hmm. or, you know, physically be that manifestation of consequence while still being in that place of I am doing this because I love you and I love everyone else, including the people you may have harmed, including the people that I'm not going to let you harm. Yeah, there, there's a, a quote by Albert Einstein that is pretty awesome. It's like um, the most important decision that we can ever make is to decide whether this world is hostile or friendly. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I read, I read something similar and said there are those people who believe the world is hostile and there are those that believe the world is um, is loving and both of them are correct. Right. Whatever whatever they believe is the world that they exist in. Yeah, and I think that's actually a big issue today is that we there's a tendency in today's world to take sides, especially from this political top-down, you know, if I just pick a side, then I've somehow done my duty or I've somehow resolved some issue. But like, to me, like we really need to embrace all perspectives and the picking side thing, um, to me in some ways that it's, it errs more on the side of the hostile. It's like leaning on, on the, the paradigm of, the world is a hostile place because why would we need to pick sides? Well, if I pick my side, I'll be safe. I'll be a, I'll be a good over here. And clearly that that side is not doing a good job and they're wrong. Right. 
in whatever way. And I mean, that's, that's just not really like an act of love, like a friendly, maybe like a friendly perspective on the universe would be like, okay, well, so we're, we have our different perspectives and both are right. You know, not, not, not one is wrong. Not one is right. How do we still love each other regardless of that fact? Exactly. And you, you, in my opinion, hit the nail on the head, especially with everything that's going on and has been going on. It's, it's, you know, red versus blue is the biggest one on, on the political spectrum. And the idea that either you're with us or you're against us. And the idea that either you are one thing or you are anti that one thing really does just breed more of hostility. Um, and a I, lack of trust. And a lack of trust. My, uh, my wife, a very, very amazing woman, pointed out how you can't be anti anything because you're still giving energy to it. Um, uh, Mother Teresa was asked during Vietnam if she'd ever go to an anti-war rally. And she said, no, she would never go to an anti-war rally, but she would go to a pro-peace rally. Because if you are anti-anything, a big, big buzzword in the, in the mainstream media right now is to be anti-racist. I don't believe that you either have to be racist or anti-racist, because I really think that hostility just adds to the same thing. Um, my, my wife pointed out, she said, the best way to, that she could explain it was, don't think about your feet, what just happened. Mm. It's like mm -hmm. your being in the universe doesn't hear the don't. Yeah. So if you spend your whole life fighting against something, you have been putting all of your energy into that something. Right. Yeah, and this fight, the, the struggle that that we get into it's funny you know like <laughs> what are we really fighting for is a question i well i've asked myself more recently contemplating some of my own gene keys and the gene keys are just an amazing collection of wisdom from richard rod over maybe two or three decades of his own research on different wisdom traditions around the world and you you look up your jinkies so it's connected to astrology it's kind of like a, a combination of astrology and the I Ching. and one of the jinkies i've been reflecting on it's really just reflecting on the universal principles and ideas and there's a shadow there's a gift and a frequent in a city and they're basically um the shadow is a low frequency the gift is you know, a middle of the road frequency. And then the city is sort of like a divine frequency or a higher frequency. And well, I've been thinking about this idea of struggle and I think struggle is um, the shadow of this one gene key. And then the gift is perseverance. And I'm trying to think of the, the city might be like honor um, but it's this idea of like, what are we fighting for really? And this internal um, battle that can insist the struggle of fighting with an ideology or an external, um, an external viewpoint is really, it's a reflection of the internal. The external mm -hmm. is the reflection of the internal. And the, the fight that we, that, that we're ultimately 
having is really a fight with ourself. And to realize that in some ways is a way of breaking out of the struggle and seeing a way to persevere, to, to pick your battle, to, to see the um, whatever fight we're having is a reflection of some internal component. And so if you can face that internal component, what happens in the external is it breaks. And it, it feels that to me that um, in terms of like this universal judo and, and like trusting the universe in, in more a deeper way, the more we lean into that, to the fears and the battles within, the easier it is to, to like confront or face a global pandemic or whatever else is going on in the external environment that may end up making you feel like, how do I trust anything? Like banks, governments, police officers, like any authority outside of myself. And, and truly that's just a reflection of your own, your own authority, you know? And um, yeah, it's like, there's another jinky that, that is control authority and valor. So the, the valor is sort of like a noble component. It's um, defined in some ways as like the combination of courage and love. And it really ties in pretty perfectly here because um, there, there's such an element of control on either side. Absolutely. And, you know, as a police officer, you're exercising a certain amount of control, which would be the shadow. But, um, I mean, ultimately, there's, yeah, it's like I'm trying to find go there, back to some of the insights i was having there's an expectation that whatever we go out to we are expected to control the situation someone calls us because their situation is out of control or they perceive a situation out of control or so it's it's our job to show up control that situation do it perfectly with surgical precision and mechanical movements while being human and bringing that human love of the protect and serve so there's all of this expectation and if any portion of that is you know falls outside of that expectation that can be perceived as breaking the trust um People have called in for help. And then when I was dealing with that situation, I found out that they had to go to jail for either something they did in that situation or something they did previously. And it manifested in the form of an arrest warrant. And so I, I've been on the receiving end of that projection of, I called you for help and you're taking me to jail. Yeah. Yes, yes, that is exactly what's happening and i'm sorry that's what has to happen but that is what's happening and that trust and that manifestation of antitrust it's it's funny to even say that because there is no anti it's either trust or not trust but i really have been drawn to this this anti-trust idea 
because even things that are perceived to have betrayed our trust teach us that we can trust. Um, if know, we're open and willing if we're to open see that. And willing to it, absolutely. Because you know, I know there have been situations in my life when I was like, well, there's this situation and I want to do this. I don't feel like that's going to work out too well. I do it anyway. And, you know, then it doesn't work out well, just like I knew in here that it wasn't going to happen. But yet my actions were to go down that path. So that very easily could be integrated inside of, well, clearly I can't trust myself because I did this and this happened. Or you can look at it as, well, clearly I can trust myself because I already knew that. I didn't trust that part of me, so I took actions. So instead of putting that burden of, I can't trust myself, I can't trust my actions, you know, that anti-trust, you can look at the, the gold in it instead of the shadow and recognize that, well, that was an excellent um, exercise in trust and maybe I should trust myself some more. <laughs> and I think that situation of us deciding collectively that we can't trust ourselves is what's brought us here. You talk about um, the, the idea that we can't trust anything outside of ourselves. For so long, I think we were taught or at least received the message, whether that was the message that was actually being sent or not, we've received this message where I can't trust myself. You have to show me. Um, I can use the example of small children. Small children in this three-dimensional reality don't know everything. And as a parent and uh, a guardian figure, if you're, if you're then watching over someone else's children, you have the responsibility because they can't be trusted to do good things, right? Yeah. So we're taught from a very young age that we need to rely on something outside of ourselves. Right. And then you teach that to children as they grow up and start to be teenagers and aren't given back that you know what's good for you. Which in some ways really is the innocence. It's, it is it is our innocence. Because mm -hmm. the innocence loss is like that moment where we move away from like this innate intelligence of just truly trusting everything. And to me, like coming back to that idea of the jinkies tying into this, like that control authority veiler, like if if you recognize that probably one of the, mo the main reasons why control exists is that there's a level of wanting to be an authority, had to be standing in one's own truth and trusting that, that if you're not doing that and you're looking at someone else for this authority, you're not gonna necessarily feel the dignity, the full dignity, the, the, the valor, the, the nobility, the, cur the courage to um, love, love yourself, love what is there, love anything, um, and then attempt to control that thing. Right. In, in order to gain back a sense of power, but the power is really within. So the power, the power, as soon as you're controlling someone else, and typically this can happen through judgment, like mm -hmm. judgment to me is like a tool of control. 
and this judgment can be in, enacted to control a situation for what reason? Well, to get my power back or to feel powerful. And that power really is our authority. It's our authority to know what is true. And knowing what is true is also like trusting that that innate intelligence exists within you and that you can claim that. So I think, yeah, I mean, we're saying the same thing. It's like, yeah. it's it's such a, a parallel, I think. And um, I mean, it's it's even, have you ever heard of spiral dynamics? Um, not particularly, but I think I'm familiar with the concept. Yeah, it's it's like, it's basically like a, um, it's kind of like a, a ladder that goes in a spiral. Mm -hmm. And it was developed, um, I think in like the 80s, but it's been become pretty prominent in the integral center in Boulder. And uh, through Ken Wilber's work on integral theory. And basically, it, it's sort of an expansion upon Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where... Okay each color represents a certain evolutionary stage of, of consciousness. And at the bottom is survival. And then there's sort of like the magic, um, the, the magical thinking. And then there's kind of like rules and laws. Um, and then there's sort of like more like um, going beyond the rules and making your own stake to claim of like what's going to happen basically developing an individual authority. Mm -hmm. um, next you have, um, I think it's like beige, blue, um, orange and red anyway. So then it, it goes, everything is sort of like superseding the next thing. There's like sort of a, a, a need for, um, like if everyone's doing magical thinking and whatever, then maybe there's gonna be a need for actual, you can't just do anything you want. like. There right. needs to be rules. Okay, cool. Now that there's rules for all these things, like maybe there's like, we don't have to follow all the rules all the time. Like maybe we can innovate and create something new. That's the orange level. And so it kind of goes up and up. But the thing is, is like most, I think it's like the most people on earth are at the stage of blue where they're following rules. And I think it's like 10 to 20% are in orange. And so orange is where you're creating your own way of life. You're going your own way and deciding I'm making my own rules. I'm stepping into my own authority. Um, and then very few people make it to green, which is more of like, okay, well, now that I'm doing it my own way, like what about like the universality of like species and like the fairness, maybe I have certain privileges based on my education or whatever it is that you know, certain animals don't where the, their habitats are being destroyed or certain mm -hmm. people in this area or culture do not have. Um, but the interesting thing is like, th this is really just the first tier. So the second tier is really an integrated perspective. And it in, the, it's, the second tier is really two levels. It's yellow and turquoise. And yellow is this, um, again, it kind of starts at the bottom, like being survival but it's the survival of the collective. And so it is this integrated view of everything. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, there's sort of like, the way that they describe this um, model is that there's a jump. Because when you jump to the second tier, you're including all of the other ones. You're embracing all of them. And so what I find- moving away from it, you're bringing it because it still applies. It's basically applying all of them together in an integrated view of life. And 
I guess the point I'm trying to make here is is related to um, this this idea that we can take a divided stance and a divided viewpoint and not trust someone else because my my view is better than yours. Basically, whatever tier on the on the first tier, whatever stage you're at, the bottom one is basically becomes wrong. Oh, I see. And so it's like if most people are hanging out here in the blue and they're doing the rule thing, or, and some people are here, I mean, in some ways, this is like our political parties and people are viewing like, well, you're wrong and I'm right because th these are why my rules are better than yours. Right, instead of a yes and. A yes and, which is really like the emergent consciousness of today's world is really where we're going now collectively is taking this leap and this jump into a more radically inclusive perspective of, oh, okay, like I actually have all of those levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's not just that I'm here and that you're you're over there, which can be kind of like, you know, I think even at the blue level, there's ethnocentrism, which is like, well, my religion is better than yours or my cultural group is better than yours and yours is wrong because you don't. Or, you know, needing, and I think that's that's where we're at, but the the language doesn't allow for that. You know, um, you want you want to speak on religions, and we we talked before about how there's, you know, some religions believe that all other religions are wrong, etc. And I've I've experienced that on many different, um, many different facets through that. And I think as a society, um, at least in America, we have lost the ability, the language and the social skills to do that yes and um you go anywhere and what are the what are the two main things you just don't talk about about it to everybody politics politics and, and religion religion yeah. so we've we've gotten in that comfort level of we don't have the hard conversations about those things so then hard conversations just aren't being had and those muscles that involve with okay, I completely disagree with everything you're saying, but I still love you as a person. Right. You can, you know, it's without being so edgy as to talk down on anyone's religion, but it, in my opinion, the idea that someone can have one religion and fully believe that the person on the other side from another religion should be, you know, sent for eternal damnation or burned at the stake or whatever, um, super terrible consequence comes from just calling your God a wrong name is as ridiculous as me not wanting to be in the same with, room with you because you happen to prefer a black shirt while I'm wearing a tan one. It's, it's like they're, they're mutually exclusive where it has nothing to do with me. Now, when you start talking about those people that are, are force their beliefs on others, that's where I draw the line and I'll absolutely meet force with force when I perceive someone forcing like, well, you have to believe this onto someone else. I will absolutely stand shoulder to shoulder with anyone to defend someone's personal sovereignty. It shouldn't get to that though. And I mean, I, I don't like to use the word should because everything that is is perfect but that that idea that you know i can't be 
someone perceives that I can't be trusted to make my own decisions because their decision for me is something else. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah, it makes me think of like the tension of visionaries. Mm-hmm. Because in some ways, like your whole, like the should becomes out as an ideal in a lot of ways where, well, it should be this way. And it's like, well, okay, well, that's probably an ideal. And the actuality is that that's not happening. And so, I mean, what I hear from you is that you appreciate like the perfection of <laughs> the imperfection. <laughs> right. And and that's beautiful. Um, and there there is, I think, a value of like, you know, I think idealisms the ideal self it can be nearly it can create like nearly like abuse dynamics internally and externally mm-hmm. where we hold you know ourselves or others to ridiculous standards that it can't even be achieved and so you know there's there's a level where the, some of that stuff really does get borderline ab- abusive but we can't stop dreaming we can't stop having the vision of what can be right um, and i think that that abuse mentality of well I should be way up here and beating myself down for not being up here affects that, that self-trust. Well, clearly if I'm not up here, I can't be trusted instead of recognizing the journey. If my, if my goal is here and I continue to work on that, recognizing that I still have work to do and the work I've been doing to get there is an accomplishment. Yeah. And it it really, I mean, it's coming back to loving yourself where you're at and loving people where they're at Mm -hmm. as simple as that being that to create a greater trust. And it it seems like that's what we really need in terms of so much of the division of today is that, you know, can you actually like walk outside and like go to your neighbor's house, knock on their door and see that they're completely fucking different than you. And they have totally different view and still love them and still accept their, and still accept their points of view. And I think I, I have faith that many people can, and that may be a, uh, an optimistic approach, but I think that, definitely, (laughs) I think that what we see and what we hear is just the loudest shouts, not necessarily the majority. Um, going back to the, the trust thing, what, what we perceive outside of us is a reflection of what's inside of us but at that same time if we spend more time out here we will manifest something that's going to bring us back in here right and vice versa so this this trust idea has been very alive with me and uh what's what's come through is you know, we, uh, in COVID and politics and such, us as, as humans, we have developed survival techniques, which of course have been dulled over the years because of technology. Um, but we have this innate sense survival where we can know when something's not real or a lie. I think it has become more difficult to understand, recognize, and integrate the level of that. Because um, when you deal with somebody, you know, talking about the uh, the different perspectives, sometimes 
it's a you need to have my perspective your perspective is wrong and sometimes i think it's a uh, it's perceiving something as a lie now it may not be a lie for that person but it's a lie for us because it doesn't it doesn't add up to our truth now something someone else is presenting can absolutely not be in line with my truth and also so it can be it can not it can be not my truth while it's also not their lies if it's not my truth and it's not their truth even if they don't know it but that's what i'm feeling that's where you'll get a, a conflict sometimes so you know half truths and um whole truths and you know all of that all of that dialogue if something is a lie it's going to feel like a lie and i think that's what we're seeing you know globally existentially universally because nothing out there feels like 100% truth yeah and i think that's something that as the body collective we have manifested to bring ourselves back here where our own personal yeah, truth is yeah i totally is. agree because if we've if we've relied and continue to rely on everything out there to present 100% truth it physically can't you're setting yourself up for failure and that lesson needs to be learned if that's the only way that brings you back here so I think we've manifested this antitrust out there to bring us all back home, where is really the only place we can find our truth. Yeah, it's really the huge gift, I think, of all the, the, well, I mean, who's to say really what it all actually is, but it, it does feel as if there is a lot of mistrust, there's a lot of mistruths, there's a lot of, you know, dishonesty. Um, but that's the real gift of all that is that, you know, it is bringing us back here to be, to be honest. I know that I'm not honest all the time, but I know that when I am, I feel the best mm-hmm. and I'm lean, I'm trying to lean into that. It's like, all right, you know, cause we tend to just, you know, there's such a strong driving force of wanting to belong and we'll want to fit into certain things, whether cultural, social, familial, whatever it is in order to feel like we're accepted. And that, that can oftentimes mean that we're not always honest. And so, yeah, I don't know, my, my personal like, pursuit in some ways right now is really being radically honest with myself and then being aware of those moments where I don't, you know, that I am lying to myself or to another person. And like, why, what's driving that? Like, mm-hmm. And a lot of times it is some, some protective layer like I want to be safe. I want to be accepted. I don't want to be rejected. I want to belong, whatever it is. Um, but then at what cost is that really to my sanity, my health, my radiance, my well-being, my ability to thrive in the world? Because it just, it just doesn't feel good to live a lie. You know, and I think the more honest we can be with ourselves, the more we actually can awaken our gifts because our, the honesty is to me like connected to the heart. It's connected to the love. It's it's the more honest we are, the more radiant we are. You know, you know. A friend of mine uh, posted something on on Facebook a while back and said, you know, we have to we have to let the light in. And I told her I was like, I 
I love that. But I want to offer, what if it's letting the light out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> yeah, but if we take one one side of it only, you know, there's a definition of love uh, from Dr. John Martini, and he, he has defined love. He might have a different definition today, but he's defined love as the synchronicity of opposites. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, and so he doesn't, when you're working with emotions and perceptions and things and triggers, he doesn't consider love to be like an emotion. He considers it to be this universal state of like synchronous, synchronicity, essentially. And I, I find that to be pretty interesting because in in your your most recent example, it's like if you're only considering one side, um, yeah, I mean, there's, well, I was going to say there's less synchronicity, but maybe maybe the asynchronicity is waking us up to the synchronicity yeah, anyway. It, it so. invites a different synchronicity. And I yeah. think that uh, that waking things up in the opposites is is exactly what's happening. Um, I actually had a call yesterday now. Um, we got enough time? Yeah, okay. we're good. Um, had a call yesterday. Um, a gentleman came into the police department to report theft. And he had ordered a uh, an item off of Amazon. It was actually an iPad. And it was delivered, but he didn't get it. So clearly something happened. Um, he was convinced that his roommate stole it because his, his neighbor has a camera and he watched via the neighbor's camera, the delivery person deliver something. Um, it came through the postal service. So it was, it was a mail carrier. And an hour later, his roommate came home, took stuff out of the mailbox, brought it in the house, and presented this this individual with you know a stack of junk mail that was it so he was convinced that his roommate stole his item and that was that was the world that he saw so everything in talking to him was reasons why that's what happened you know his um economic stuff because of covid so clearly his roommate needs money and this was an opportunity um, he had been cohabitating with this person that he was good friends with for like six years. And this situation had him convinced that his friend stole from him. So I was able to talk to the roommate. And of course, the roommate has a different perspective of the world, a world where she didn't steal the iPod, iPad. And that worldview was at odds with the gentleman's worldview. And I had to be in there <laughs> to figure out the, uh, you know, the common ground. Because yes, he ordered an iPad and it was marked as delivered and he didn't have it. So there was something going on. Went next door and I watched the video and, you know, I, something was delivered couldn't tell what it was because you know it was way worse quality than the uh, images we're getting from Mars right now <laughs> put it that way um, but uh, something was delivered the roommate picked something up 
and that's where we're at. And this gentleman is is convinced that it was her. And while watching the video, I, I showed him. I was like, well, you know, you really can't tell. So maybe, but you know, there's other factors to consider. Then he moved on to, well, it must have been the the mail carrier, because that's what happens. Mail carriers steal packages. And he had this story that went along with his vision of the of the world that people are getting jobs as delivery people with the express intent to steal packages and to know where these packages are going so that they can later commit theft. So this gentleman's vision of the world is that obviously the hostility, you know, someone is taking advantage of him. He might not know exactly who if it wasn't the roommate, but someone did this to him. And it's amazing. This is like a perfect example because it's a, it's like how the beliefs and the convictions and the truths that we hold on to literally create our reality. Absolutely. And it is the self-fulfilling prophecy that is, that is our lives. You know, whatever we really believe on, it's like we're creating from that place deeply. And yeah, it's, I, I find one of the most helpful questions to disarm <laughs> that, that kind of uh, conflict perhaps is like, where am I right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, where that, where might that be limiting me? And, and well, even that desire to be right, he obviously had that desire to, to know what was happening, to be out of the discomfort of, mm-hmm. yeah, I ordered it. It said it got here, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I left the house and I explained to him, I was like, I don't, I don't have enough to charge your roommate. And I think there's a good possibility that your roommate did not steal these. Um, you're going to have a report for theft. You can contact Amazon with that report and it'll get replaced. So you will be made whole. I understand you have that, have that wound of someone now got a free iPad and you have been inconvenienced. That, that does happen sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, I went and stopped at the post office and talked to the supervisor and mainly because I had questions of how their process works with the tracking. And he explained that, you know, when a, when a package comes in, it's scanned at the facility. And then when it goes out, it's scanned out for delivery. And then immediately as the uh, mail carrier drops off the package, whether it be out in front of someone's door or in the, uh, in the mailbox, it's scanned. And sometimes if it requires a signature, obviously, I'm sure you've gotten those deliveries where they have it and then you sign it and it's all good. Mm -hmm. So there was a certain time, which I knew because I watched the video of what time that mail carrier dropped off, whatever they were dropping off. So I had that time. Um, The supervisor used the tracking number and found out that yes, it was delivered and he brought the printout and the time of delivery was an hour before shown on the video. And I said, well, that's interesting. Um, Is your time correct? He's like, yeah, it is. I was like, well, it's it's showing delivered an hour before anything was actually delivered. And so he went and looked and there actually have a, a, a geolocation of when it's scanned. It was delivered to the wrong house accidentally same house numbers like one street over Mm. and it was a very similar sounding street so it was an honest mistake 
in the particular house that it was dropped off at, the uh, elderly lady who lives there is housebound. So she knew she got the, the thing that wasn't hers and she had made arrangements for her next door neighbor to take it back to the post office, but they were really busy. So three days had passed before anything had taken, <clears throat> had happened when this originally an individual was stewing on how someone stole his item. So it was very beautiful. I went over to the house and I, I talked to the uh, elderly lady and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, it came in. And I just, I haven't been able to take care of it. And I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll take care of it. And then she's like, how did you even figure this out? And I was like, well, that's kind of my job. <laughs> I've been investigating. It took a couple hours, but I found it. So I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll bring it back. So then I, I went back to the, uh, to the original, the original party who reported it. And he was actually at the neighbor's house while they, they were still watching that video over and over, hoping to figure out what happened. And I walked in with the Amazon box and he's like, you found it. And I said, yes, I did. It was delivered to the wrong house. Nobody stole anything from you. It was a mistake. And it was beautiful to be able to, now don't get me wrong. I absolutely love arresting bad guys and, you know, catching someone's monster. I also love recovering someone's item and making them whole again. There was a completely different feeling along with this to show him that the world's really not as scary as he decided it was and to make him whole by giving him back his item. So it was, it was that, that trust. You know, he, he clearly no longer had trust in the world. And hopefully I can give some of that trust back to him and hopefully he'll look inside himself and recognize that maybe he already knew his friend didn't steal from him. And to explore that part of himself where the truth really was. And hopefully he apologized to his friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild to consider the ways in which truth will find us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's a cool story to tie in everything. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I love... Uh, I love being able to tell stories from my job that are, you know, more heart centered. There's, there's always those. Cause I, I, I talk to people and when they find out I'm a cop, they're like, Oh, what's the, what's the scariest thing you ever did? Or what's <laughs> totally. the worst thing you've ever did? And wants like, to know that. Yeah. And I mean, that's why people watch that show cops because of the excitement and the chart car chases and everything. And if you, if you look up the, the YouTube channels for like police activity and stuff, the ones with the most views are the crazy, you know, violent, the, the, the shootings, that kind of stuff. And that's not the majority of what my job is. And to be able to bring that, you know, that, that heartfelt portion of it to people and be like, you know, what'd you do at work today? I was like, Oh, I solved a mail theft, <laughs> which is true. And, you know, I was able to get him his stuff back and show him the world isn't really all that scary. Yeah. I mean, it turns out those moments kind of are like pivotal because mm -hmm. I mean, it could be like defining our paradigm, our, our perspective on the world and what, and then how we act from that place. Yeah. So I, I said, I hope I, helped him see the world a little differently. And I would also like to think that I, I showed him 
and his roommate who was basically being treated as a suspect in a theft and the neighbor that me as a law enforcement officer i was working to be a service for them i solved that problem that they had i don't always have that option and it would have been very easy for me to be like yeah well i don't have enough to charge her but i'm gonna write up a, a report so yeah it's stolen we've got no identifying information of it it's never going to get recovered sorry and that that approach i've seen a lot and sometimes it's unavoidable you know um bike theft is a huge one people don't have the don't have the the serial numbers on their bikes and they left it when they went in and grabbed coffee and all of a sudden it's gone no suspect no nothing there's really nothing we can do except i'm sorry that happened maybe lock it up next time and i'll give you a report for your insurance company but that's that's the best service i can provide this one i was able to do a little more and and i i like being able to do that and to show people that you know i am here to help sometimes that help involves me just writing up a report for your insurance <laughs> yeah i think it's pretty cool to think about the way that reiki ties into this too because when you you learn reiki you you open yourself up to this idea that there's this universal love energy emanating out of you and out of your heart mm -hmm. and so it's like it's the same idea of like turning into this perspective on your existence your body the universe as a life-giving a, lo a loving place well the idea of reiki is it it moves through everything it's the universal life force so my reiki practice and the the allowance of reiki just to flow through me has absolutely helped my intuition in in talking to this man's roommate i didn't believe she stole it now it's not a situation where i can put that in a report no, she didn't do it because I felt she didn't do it. It's, it's yeah. not, not with, not with the, the structures we have in the, in society. There's reasons for that too. Yeah. <laughs> Good reasons. But to, to just feel the universe and to deal with it gently. I mean, if I, if I had been a, you know, the more forceful cop I was, you know, a year on the street and like, well, it was delivered and i've got video of no one going to that that uh mailbox after it was delivered so why don't you tell me the truth wouldn't have gone anywhere because clearly she didn't do that right and people decide i mean that, they, that they've decided on their truth that's what mm -hmm. that truth is for the moment yeah for the moment <laughs> well thanks zach appreciate your time today it's been Super pleasure talking to you. Look forward to more. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll keep doing this. All right. Thank you. Thank you.